Welcome to the first official Stevie and C. Breezy show. I'm your host, Stephen Inman, alongside my good friend, Chris Brito. And Chris, we have so much to get to today. The NBA draft is just a day away. We'll break down the NBA lottery and all these crazy rumors. But first, we have to start with the New York Knicks. But first, Chris, how are you? Hey, Steve. Happy to be here for the first ever Stevie and C. Breezy show. Thanks, guys, for joining in. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about the Knicks. Just when you think this team has hit rock bottom and they're ready to start this rebuild, you hear these reports that they're willing to trade 21-year-old face of the franchise, Kristaps Porzingis. To further solidify those reports, the Knicks are interested in taking Arizona big man, Laurie Markkinen, to re- possibly replace Porzingis if he's traded by tomorrow. Chris, can the Knicks move forward while trading their best asset? No! Hell no! You can't do that. You can't trade your franchise player for a bag and chips. I mean, I'm sure they could get a ton for Chris Dapps. I think they've been looking around, and the asking price has been huge. I think one of the reports was that they asked Phoenix for Devin Booker and the number four pick. That would never happen. Frank, yeah, frankly, it's a little absurd to, to ask for them to give their two of their best players and a pick for Porzingis. I love Porzingis, but even I think that's a deal that would in favor us. Absolutely. But, hypothetically, would you take that deal? I would take that deal. I would take that deal. Get De- Devin Booker, who could be a 25-point scorer for the next oh, couple years, sure. and the number four pick. You could use that to leave your premier point guard, Darren Fox. You know, maybe one of Justin Jackson or Jason Tatum. They could find some premier guys. True, true. But, they're um, not getting that kind of deal. I think they need to hold on to Porzingis and just take the best player they can at number eight. See, this is what Phil Jackson doesn't understand. And it's something that when you put out the roadmap to going back to you know relevancy, um, you don't go from getting your franchise player, trading your franchise player, then hoping you find another one. Because getting your franchise player is possibly the hardest part of the whole, you know, back to relevancy process. I mean, how many franchise players are there in the NBA? Ten to fifteen, maybe. Kristaps Porzingis could be that guy. He's a seven foot three. You know, guy who can handle the ball, shoot. You know, he, I think he's like one of the only guys to average many blocks and threes as he did last year. He's a remarkable talent, and there really hasn't been too many guys like him. Yeah. So to trade him away right. because he missed an exit interview just is irresponsible. Right. And what? He's only what? 22, 23 years old. He's he twenty one. He's wow. Okay. He's, he's twenty one. He, he he just learned how to drink a few months ago. Look at that. Um, I think. What Phil Jackson is doing, he's just trying to create the smoke screen. Well, I think this is all a ploy. I don't think this is all intentional, judging by the the ludicrous, um, you know, deal that he wants for someone like Porzingis. So I think it's just to see what people would offer for him. For now, I don't think they'll trade him. I hope not. Otherwise, I'm going to burn my Knicks jerseys at home. So. Okay, let's just say it is a smokescreen. What what benefit is it to alienate your best player, your best young player, and they're saying, hey, if you don't get your act together, you can be moved. No one's untouchable. Why would well, they do that? I think the common interpretation is that it's Phil saying all this stuff. Maybe it's not Phil. Maybe it's actually Porzingis' camp who's putting out these rumors in order for you know, more negative press to go around Phil and for Phil to eventually get an ouster. I was I was thinking about it the other day. Who wouldn't want to start a team with a Porzingis and a Carmelo Anthony? Those are two 
pretty good pieces, no matter how you look at it. Absolutely. You know, in any case, I think um, in Jackson's case, most of the players don't see extending far past their deals if, if Jackson's still around. Well, he's got two years left on his deal. Uh, Jackson does. Porzingis has two years left on his deal before he's a restricted free agent. By then, they'll have a new person in, in town running the show. And <laughs> you, you would hope. As a restricted free agent, they can match any offer. So this is a guy who is going to be around here for the long term if they don't trade him. So Phil Jackson will not outlast Chris Dapps most likely. Because I don't think they're trading him this summer. And I think he's going to show enough next year where they're just not going to be able to trade him. But I don't really see a scenario where they're going to get enough in a deal to make sense. And if I was going to say, you know what, trading Chris Dapps Porzingis is the best move for my franchise, I don't trust Phil Jackson to find that best deal. Yeah, you know what, he hasn't really proven himself as an executive. Um, with the exception of the Porzingis um, pickup, and that was because he's of trying his, to undo it, and, and that was because of his uh, his top scout, Clarence Gaines. Other than that, I I can't really say he's done great deals. He signed Carmelo Anthony to a, a five year deal, giving him, you know, a, a a trade clause in his contract. He's traded Chan- he traded Chandler for um, uh, Jose Calderon. Jose Cal. Uh, a fading Jose Calderon. Yeah, when he could have, when he nicely, when he when he could have gotten Jay Crowder, he traded two, you know, two very important pieces in the Cavaliers championship run in Shumpert and J.R. Smith, like for nothing, for basically nothing. Yeah, what a second round pick, and, and they got Lance Thomas in that deal, who's okay, who's who's been okay. And they gave him a big no, deal. Nowhere like year. he's nowhere near the production that Shumpert. Or even J.R. Smith has provided with the Cavaliers. So um, Jackson, a lot. Of, I think a lot of his legacy as an executive falls on tomorrow night. Um, if he doesn't get a pick that will will show off dividends, I don't think and you'll see him much longer. We will know tomorrow night if if the player they pick is a is a star, oh, is a boss. So. No. so you know, they could take some guy that we don't agree with, and he could become a star. He could become a guy who really fits here. Right. But Let's we don't it know. Was, it was the same thing with Porzingis. Absolutely. People were booing Porzingis on draft night. People will not be booing him ever again. <laughs> ever again in New York. It's it's really, you never know, but at the same time, Phil Jackson, just please care. Please make the right decisions. Make make Have your, your scouting team, you know, they've been working really hard. Have them help you make the best decision possible to move this franchise forward. Right. Um, I want to be able to say, in Phil we trust, but right now it's not. I don't trust I him at all. I don't trust him at no. all either. Tomorrow's a big night. Obviously, there's a lot of trades going on. Celtics traded the number one pick to the Sixers for their third pick, along with the pick they have next year. Um, what, do you, what are your initial thoughts of the trade? My initial thoughts on the trade is... If Markel and who Fultz, is the winner? Who's the loser? Markel Fultz, if he's a top ten player, like a lot of people think he could be in in the NBA, then this is a horrible trade for Boston, who is tr- use, getting all these assets, and they're not really getting stars. Like you need when in the NBA, you don't win with depth, you don't win with quantity, you win with quality. You need two, three, four elite players to win. If Fultz is an elite player, then Boston's really and the players that Boston does not draft our elite players, then Boston's really going to regret this deal. Right. Um, 
I think initially the 76ers came out on top on this one because they addressed the need on their on their present team, which they didn't have a a front court uh, a ball a really a ball handler they could trust. Uh, Markel Fultz, assuming he starts and plays well automatically, he'll he'll most likely be the opening day starter. Um, I think for now that this that 76ers team is a very scary team, even. With, with the combination of a, a, a now healthy Ben Simmons and a healthy Joel Embiid, I think that'll be the new Golden State Warriors in the East. And people killed Hanky for tanking, but at the end of the day, without that vision, they don't have three number one picks, uh, a number three pick in Embiid who could be the face of the franchise. They they went out and they got premier talent. And, and it's it, not a bad strategy. And if I'm a team, I might consider doing something like it. And you know what? And if they jump, and if they sign JJ Redick, they have the money. They're they're going to be a really good team. They're probably the best, second best team in that division. Now that maybe Kyle Lowry probably will sign with the Raptors tomorrow night. Kyle Lowry. I mean, for the for Kyle Lowry is an interesting guy. There's a lot of uh, rumors we can go. I wouldn't rule out him going back to Toronto. Uh, San Antonio seems to be loading up. Pau Gasol is willing to take less money to go back. He declined a 16 million dollar player option. Basically. Which means they have a handshake agreement with him saying, we'll give you $8 million because we want to get enough money under the cap to go sign a max guy. He could be that guy. So that that would be a landing spot for him. But let's get back to the draft. And, and number two is the Los Angeles Lakers. They've been linked to Lonzo Ball there. A guy who's very similar to a lot of scouts to their president, Magic Johnson, who, you know, this is his first draft. He's got a big, you know, He's got a big opportunity here to get this done. Lonzo Ball seems to be their guy, but Chris, do you think that's a sure lock at number two? Yeah, to be honest with you, I think them trading um, D'Angelo Russell last night to the Nets, I think, solidifies their their intent to draft Ball. It, it just makes a ton of sense for a, an emerging team to sign a player like that, um, especially, as you said, the comparison to Magic a pass first guard. It'll it's it's gonna be a holy union. Now, I don't think LA is completely sold on Lonzo, and I'll tell you why. They've been talking to other teams about trading down. They've been talking to Phoenix who loves Lonzo Ball about going from two to four. They offered the Kings the two pick. Again, these are all reported things to the Kings for five number five and number ten, and they were turned down for that. I don't think they're sold on Lonzo. I think, you know, he could be a good fit. I'm worried about his shooting motion. I think it might be too slow for the NBA. Yeah, I think it's atrocious. We will we will wait and see on that. The the father thing does not seem to be an issue for them. But at the end of the day, they don't seem 100% sold. If I had to guess right now, I would say they still take him. But that pick is not, you know, completely sold to me. Let's move on now. Boston, number three. It looks like they like one of Jason Tatum or Josh Jackson. They, I, yeah, go ahead. They, they, Danny Ainge came out and said the player we were going to take at one is likely going to be on the board at three. So they clearly have very high hopes for one of these two guys. Chris, do you see one of these guys becoming a franchise kind of player? Well, I think the player they're going to go after, Jason Tatum, um, I was reading a story about him the other day. He's He's... This is the type of person who was who came from literally nothing. He was raised by a single mother. Um, they basically had a 
they basically lived in a they were they they never had a lot of money. Okay. So judging off that, I feel like Jason Tatum is a person who has has come from a lot and is someone who will bring a lot to the table because of the adversity he and his mother faced. His mother is now a lawyer. And there's there was a nice little nugget in in the story I read. They said that um, a, a teacher asked him, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? The kid said, an NBA player. The teacher said, oh, realistic dreams. Yeah. And wow. the boy cried to his mother that night when, he, when, he, when they were at the dinner table. And the mother actually went to go complain to the teacher. Like, who are you to tell my son that he can't wow. do his dreams? Wow. Um, personally, I feel like a guy with that character fits with the Celtics mold. Um, the other thing too, Josh Jackson didn't work out for the Celtics. Um, the extent of their um, interaction has been a, a call from Brad Stevens, which was last week. So judging off that, and Jason uh, Jason Tatum worked out for them, I think earlier this week, I think on Monday. So it just looks like Jason Tatum will be the guy. Yes. You just hit it perfectly there. Let's move on to Phoenix at number four. I think it's very interesting. Philly, Lakers, Celtics, Phoenix, one, two, three, four. The same draft order as last year. Oh, that is true. Yeah. I think that's very interesting. Phoenix at number four. Are you seeing the NBA's right, Steve? I'm not. Well, it didn't start that way. There was a trade. Right, that's true. Uh, Phoenix at number four. Uh, they have some young pieces, a lot of guys that people would want. They're they're right now looking at a lot of point guards. You know, Lonzo Ball. They're hoping falls to them at four. They love De'Aaron Fox. Now, if they go after a De'Aaron Fox, what happens to Eric Bledsoe? He could be a trade chip. He's a guy who is explosive, can really you know stuff the stat sheet, but really hasn't shown he could be healthy for a whole eighty-two game season. So it'll be interesting to see if they take a guy like De'Aaron Fox. What happens to Bledsoe? Right. Um, but you know what? I've always seen Bledsoe as a, a more of a scoring guard anyway. He'd be un, an undersized shooting guard for sure. But I think a, a guy like De'Aaron Fox would fit there pretty well. But he, but at the same time, a guy like Josh Jackson, you don't leave a guy like that on the board. Right. He'll be a perfect complement um, to uh, Devin Booker, um, Chris. And, Marquise Chris, and Marquise Tyson Chandler. Chris, and Tyson Chandler, all of them. Now, if um, you put... Bo- if you put Bledsoe at the two, that means you got to move Booker to the three, and then, like, everybody's undersized. And that's, you can get away with it, but I wouldn't recommend it. So if they can, no. if they can find a better fit, I would go after that. Right. And then at number five, I think it's who? The Sacramento Kings. We got the okay. Sacramento Kings. They would love if De'Aaron Fox got to them at five. They've been looking for a long-term answer at point guard for at least, seemingly the last <laughs> decade. But since Mike Bibby. Since Mike Bibby. Right. When he was good. Not when he was running around as a Nick. This is a team that could desperately use a point guard, and there are guys on the board who can help them out. Right. Um, De'Aaron Fox is definitely the guy for them. Um, after that, the Magic. The Magic, I think it's a little bit less clear, because I, they have a lot of different needs. They have a lot of needs. They have a lot of guys who could be good, who just haven't been good. Like, Alfred Payton has shown he can stuff the stat sheet. He just can't shoot. Aaron Gordon could do all these crazy athletic things. He hasn't really put up a big season yet. You know, there's, you know, Vucevic doesn't right. play any defense. Well, my knock with the Magic, though, is that they haven't really catered their 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 drafting need, their drafting uh, prospects 
with the team that they have now. Um, and even last year, they got Serge Ibaka and they got um, the other guy from Toronto. Um, well, I'm blanking out. But any, in any case, Aaron Gordon is supposed to flourish in the forward position. They moved him back to small forward position. He's not a... Oh, Terrence Ross. We're thinking of Terrence Ross. No, no, not right? Terrence Ross. Center. Well, it's unimportant. In any case... Bismack Biombo. Bismack. There you Bismack. go. We got it there. Um, I think they'll go for someone like um, Isaac, who's a more or less a positionless kind of player who can guard like one through five with his length. I agree with you. I think he's probably the guy there. People have been linking them the whole time. I don't know enough about Isaac to say he's a good fit or a bad fit, but people, I feel like, have been linking him there solely for the fact that he's a Florida guy in Orlando. And I don't know if that's the guy they want, but another athletic guy to add to that group can't be a bad thing. Right. And um, in a small market team like that, and you get someone like Isaac, a local kid, I feel like there's little small variables that'll, you know. Right. And now, an easier pick. And plus, um, they have new management. So um, they have Hammond in there, and he'll most likely want a pick to cater the team in his vision. Right. And when you look at what he's done in Milwaukee, right? You know, crazy athletes, guys who length, length. That's athletic. what Isaac is. So that that could make a lot of sense. That's the guys they usually go after. The next pick is to me. Where things get fascinating. This is where things get fascinating. This right. is where things right. really heat up because I think okay. in the top six, we don't really know where these guys are going to go, but we have a pretty good understanding that those six players we just mentioned are going to go somewhere in the top six. Number seven is where things get interesting. This is the Minnesota Timberwolves, and as you're as a Nick fan, we've seen the guy we want taking a pick before, and it could happen again. Dennis Smith would be a great fit. In Minnesota, they clearly have understood at this point that Ricky Rubio is not the long-term answer. He just can't score. He can't shoot. And, you know, teams are, you know, hedging off him so much to play passing lanes that he's not as effective. They're talking about trading out of this pick with Dallas. You know, maybe move them up. Who is at nine? That could be interesting. But Minnesota, Dennis Smith would fit them so perfectly. They also could use another shooter. Malik Monk is there. But... But I want him on my team, so... Chris, the point what I'm saying is, <laughs> the way this is constructed, Minnesota can do anything here. They can trade out of the pick, they can take Dennis Smith, they can take Malik Monk, but one of those two players will be available to the Knicks at number eight. And then we're in. Um, uh, so what are you leaning here? I'm, I'm I, leaning towards, at number eight, For as Knicks fans, I'm leaning towards Dennis Smith. He is a crazy athlete. He reminds us of a combination of Russell Westbrook's in terms of athleticism. And Derek, a little Derek Rose. And a little too. bit of Derek Rose pre-knee injury. He is a crazy athlete. He's still learning point guard. Sometimes it looks like this, the game kind of speeds up on him a little bit, where he's, he's making a play that he, he probably shouldn't have forced. But he's a young, gifted player. And to me, at this point in the draft, he has by far the most talent. For sure. I like, I like Dennis Smith a lot. Um, here at the Stevie and C. Breezy show, we're big fans of Dennis Smith, but we're also big fans of Malik Monk. Malik Monk is a type of shooter you don't see every day. He will light it up. He, throughout the NCAA tournament, he showed why he he's one of the premier players in this draft. I think you, you don't pass up on a player like that. He complements our team so well. You have, 
assuming the team stands as is. So you have um, Hernan Gomez at center, Porzingis at power. You have Carmelo at the one wing spot, and you have maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Maybe um, you have um, Courtney Lee. Um, well, depending on what happens, Courtney Lee could either be uh, on the bench or, or traded or traded. Um, Malik Monk, I think, complements a team as as a as a. Efficient shooter. Yeah, and people complain about Three Monk. Point shooter for that. For people that complain match. the biggest thing about Monk. He slid on these draft boards. He's been he started off top four, top five. He's now eight, nine, even ten. He has slid down, and the reason for that is people say, "All right, well, if he's not shooting well that day, what does he do? What? How does he help the team win?" And people had similar questions about you know another young shooter, the best shooter in his draft class, Clay Thompson. Went to, he slid to what ten or eleven or 11 or 12, excuse me, and people said, well, when he's not shooting lights out, what is he doing? And Clay Thompson has emerged into one of the better yes. defenders in the NBA. Malik Monk, while undersized, has good hands. He's very quick. He could emerge as one of these guys who could you know, pick up a couple steals a game. He could be really good. If the Knicks take one of him or Dennis Smith, Knicks fans should be ecstatic about their day. With that said, Let's both go. of us... Do not believe the Knicks are taking those two guys. We believe the guy they want is French point guard Frank Nielakina. Nielakina. Well, here's how I feel about Frank. I think he does have the athletic gifts. He is. He has what a seven foot wingspan. Um, a six he, five big point six, guard. He's a big point. Well, I would. I wouldn't say he's. A, I think he's more of a guard, only because he. When I saw him playing at Strasbourg, he wasn't really manning the ball as much. And that's where my fear is, that when he's not manning the ball, he looks very lost on offense. I saw the the French final a few days ago, and let me tell you, he looked lost, dude. Like he, The thing that's also concerning to me, for a team that is at the final, and supposedly this is a really good player, you want your best players playing your final. And he had no impact in that game, and they still won. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a problem with with them playing a deciding game Friday and he being at the draft tomorrow? Yes. If honestly, if I were Frank, as much as I want to be there at the NBA final, my dream, yeah. But you know, like that, I'm supposed to be with my team. It's like, yeah. That 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 to me is kind of like a red flag as a character thing too. I mean, as an NBA. Fan as like if he gets drafted to the Knicks, I wouldn't want him playing in those games. I don't want him to get hurt, but it does not look good for him to bail on a do or die game like that. The Mavs also have serious interest in him at nine. They uh, have hired one of his coaches to coach their summer league team, so maybe they know something we don't. They're talking about moving ahead of the Knicks. I think right now as it stands, the Knicks take him at eight. And the Mavs are lucky enough to get one of Dennis Smith or Malik Monk at nine. Another young guard they can build around as you know as the final years of Dirk commence. You know, lastly at ten is the Hornets, and you know they made a big move today. They they added Dwight Howard, and Dwight Howard went from being this premier center, the the go to big man. When you think of big man in the NBA in the last ten years, you think of Dwight Howard. He was traded for a bag of balls. You know contracts that bear, that match up. The the Hawks, I think, had to give up like a the thirty first overall pick to just move them. So, Chris, when did big men 
and more specifically, Dwight Howard lose their value? Well, really quickly, I the, the demise of Dwight Howard um, came at the right time when the rest of the NBA figured out that you don't need a big man to win in the NBA. D'Antoni brought the system. They didn't win. They didn't win the finals, but it revolutionized the rest of the NBA. Stan Van Gundy briefly employed it when he was uh, the head coach of the NBA of, of the Magic, and when they went to the finals, they had Dwight Howard there in the middle. He would kick it out, and that was a three-point shooting monster. Not him, but the team. Right. Um, Turkaloo Lewis. Turkaloo Lewis. Rashard. Uh, yeah, Rashard Lewis. Jimmy, Jimmy Nelson. Nelson. That was a really Petrus. great team. Had that team would have beaten the Lakers, I think this this whole thing is a different conversation because there was only one man in the entire NBA who could guard Dwight Howard then. That was Andrew Bynum. Andrew Bynum got injured, and that was that. So that coincided with every other team. And, and real quick, look, yeah. at, look at the Houston Rockets. Houston has James Harden, Dwight Howard, big star power, and, you know, they're – they're feuding. They're, they think they finished 41-41 and 41 their last season together. They get rid of Dwight Howard. He's a free agent. And the next year, they bring in Mike D'Antoni. D'Antoni runs this high run-and-gun system. They add a few three-point shooters like Ryan Anderson and Lou Williams, Eric Gordon. And all of a sudden, what happens? They're the second or third best team in the West. Right. And, and Atlanta took a step back with Dwight Howard. Well, you know what? Atlanta, I think they're now looking towards a rebuild. They're not gonna. They're not gonna resign Paul Millsap. They're probably not gonna. You know. They gave Dennis Schroeder a big contract. Do you move him? No, I think they see him as like one of their core pieces, but I don't think by any means he's the the, the franchise player. Right. Um. But you know what? The Atlanta experiment. Worked, you know, they did their best and it didn't work out. Um. But the other trade I really want to talk to you about is the Nets trade. Um. What are your initial thoughts? What do you think? Do you think the Nets emerge as winners in this deal, or do you think the Lakers um, got away with highway robbery? Okay, well, I think the Nets, real quick, are winners in this deal. I just thought they gave up a little too much because you look at what they had to do. They gave up their all-time leading scorer in Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez, an expiring contract. Big men we just talked about aren't his value anymore, but... They had to have gotten something for him. He was basically in this deal as a salary dump, you know? And that, to me, is just, is shocking. After all he's done for that organization, he was healthy last year, too. They couldn't have found a first-round pick, a you know, mid-20s pick for him. They also gave up the 27th pick in this draft and took on Timothy Mozgov's giant, horrible contract. I thought to get a, a young asset like D'Angelo Russell, they would have to do two of the three. They did all three. And you know what? Maybe D'Angelo Russell in Brooklyn emerges as a 20-point guy. He's out of the limelight in L.A. Brooklyn, yes, big market. But at the end of the day, they have no expectations. It's all going to be about basketball. Kenny Atkinson, the coach, a great developmental guy. I think he will do wonders for D'Angelo. And that's why I think, that's why I think the Nets here are winners in this deal. You know what? My initial reaction to the deal, I thought, wow, that was a great trade for the Nets because they basically got a player, a, a first, uh, a, a number two pick. Just two years ago. Number just two, two years ago. Two years ago. Um, considering they don't really have a, a top pick this year and they won't have a pick next year, most likely, um, they basically got a good value for a young, a young player who's only 21 years old. 
Um, my initial reaction was like, oh, a great deal. But looking into it a little bit more, just if I'm a Nets fan, I'm a little disappointed. You don't you you get rid of someone like Brook Lopez, who's done so much, as you said, but then you bring in a player like like D'Lo, who I don't. Uh, for me, I know the whole deal with him ratting out um, your boy Nick Young. I mean, like, I, I I don't to know. To me, if, that was so long ago now. I'm not. You know, that's not a factor in this. That's not a factor. It, for you, it's not because you're not in, in the locker room. Right. But I think if 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 you're one of the boys and you have this guy in here, I still have my guard up, and I don't know if the whole trust process begins so smoothly with someone like that. Then again, um, as you said, with Kenny Atkinson, I think maybe D'Lo will will find himself. Maybe he he'll be the next James Harden he was a, who he was supposed to be at coming out of college. Um, we'll have to see with him. All I think right. a lot of a lot of his deal is like character like character issues with him. I think he'll do very well in Brooklyn. I think he'll be a go to score and is can he become a a leader of this team? You know, guys grow up. It's not out of the realm of do possibility that he could grow up. It's not crazy to think that it, that could happen. All right, Chris, as we wrap up uh, our first ever Stevie and C Breezy show, we're going to each do a prediction that we think is going to happen. A big surprise of the NBA draft. Chris, what do you think is the big surprise of tomorrow's NBA draft? Well, I think tomorrow the Knicks will at least make one more trade for another pick. They have... They they could get rid of someone like Kylo Quinn, who has value in this league. He's a rebounding machine. Um, it could even be the Celtics. Um, they were they were in desperate need of a player like that during the playoffs. Um, I think a player like that will be moved for another pick. Um, I'm hoping someone will take Carmelo, but I know that won't happen. Um, yeah, that's what I think. I what still it, believe Carmelo can help this team, but at the same time, I'm ready for this Carmelo drama to be over. And for them to, if they don't trade him, they're going to probably buy him out. So you don't want to see that. Get something for him. Move on. Let Porzingis, you know, be the go-to guy here. My prediction is Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler has been in trade rumors for the last year plus. The Bulls are not going anywhere. To me, he could get moved somewhere. He, uh, they were talking about Cleveland. There's a report today that strangely said for the, the Cavs players told Jimmy Butler, don't get traded here yeah, because we might break this up. That is, I don't know whether that's true or not, but that is very interesting. I think Boston is a fit. Do they, would they trade the number three overall pick straight up for Jimmy Butler? That's something I would be very interested in seeing. They have the cap space. If I'm the Celtics, I would do it. Or, you know what, Minnesota, Tom Thibodeau, you know, them, them at number seven, can, can they make a deal somehow? What, what, would, what, what is Chicago trying to do? Dwayne Wade opted back in. Do you want to give it one more try and hope you have less dysfunction? Or is it time to blow this up? We'll have to wait and see on that. That's my prediction. Jimmy Butler is shipped out during the NBA draft. Chris, that's going to do it for our first show. All right, guys. Thank you for coming and joining. We'll be, we'll be back sometime next week to uh, talk recap the NBA draft and probably vent about something stupid the Knicks did. <laughs> but until then, thank you for listening. Can't wait. All right, guys. Goodbye.